Hey everyone, Pastor Matt here. You are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Canton. Our prayer is that the Word of God would both transform you and equip you to live a life unleashed for the glory of God. Our desire is that this content would not be a substitute for your regular gathering with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Instead, that it would be a supplemental boost to encourage you as you seek to follow Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now grab your Bible and let's jump into Scripture together. Um, Take your Bibles and open up to Psalm 146. Psalm 146. And believe it or not, this is our final Sunday for now in Psalms. And I pray that your time in the book of Psalms does not stop here. And we will most definitely come back to Psalms frequently, but um, next Sunday, we're going to be starting a new series through the book of First Peter. So we're going to be shifting into that for this fall. That's going to take us right up to December, Lord willing. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. If you uh, are new with us and haven't already figured that out, I get really excited about teaching the Bible. I've, I think I've said that a lot this morning, so which is just true. <laughs> I love opening God's word with you all. And uh, that's our prayer. So if, if you are visiting or you're new with us, our desire is to help people follow Jesus. Because there's no greater hope and there's no greater joy. And this life, it's, it's not hard to look around and be like, this life does not offer either of those things. Uh, maybe temporarily, but lasting, definitely not. Um, but we cling to the hope that has been given us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And the promise that he's coming back. That the world as it is, is not the way it will stay. And we praise the Lord for that and say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But in the meantime, we have a responsibility to be faithful. We have a responsibility to know what God's word calls us to as the church and to walk and live in that for his glory. And that's that's our our yearning and our desire. And so as we uh, as we prepare to to think about that, let's just pray and Trust the Lord to use this time that we might be spurred on to what he has for us, not just today, but this week, this month, this year, because we don't know, but he does. Father, thank you for your grace. Lord, thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Lord, a hope that surpasses what the world can ever offer us. And yet, Lord, we also confess that at times it's really hard for us to trust you. At times, Lord, it is challenging to set aside our own agenda, our own struggles, our own way of doing life and just follow you. 
So today, Lord, reveal in us any wicked way, reveal in us any idolatrous way, reveal in us any distracted way of living that would keep us from simply walking faithfully for your glory. Lord, thank you for the gift of your word. I pray that you would help us to treasure that, knowing that there are many around the world who don't have this. Father, that we would be a people who do not become stagnant, but grow faithfully and daily to be more and more like Christ. We trust your spirit to do that transformative work in us and pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Praise the Lord. Ah, see, some responded. Praise the Lord. So this is really a common response when somebody says this a lot of times. And sometimes even that response comes just kind of naturally. Someone shares with us some good news, something happens, and we say, oh, praise God, praise the Lord. Uh, other times, we weigh praising the Lord based on circumstances. So someone shares something heavy or hard with us, uh, most of us do not respond the same way, and nor would I recommend nor suggest that you respond with that enthusiasm if someone shares something difficult with you. Not a good idea. And yet, as we've spent this summer through the book of Psalms, there is this standout reality that even in the midst of flexing seasons, there should be a continuous recognition of not just who God is, but an ongoing attitude of praise, regardless of what the season is. Now, that's something significantly harder or easier for us to say than it is for us to live out. Most of the time, that's rooted in the fact that praise in our minds is often equated with what? Good times, joy, happiness, things that uh, bring kind of a lightness to your step. And I, I praise the Lord and we celebrate. And so in the midst of these changing seasons and in the midst of the challenge oftentimes for you and I to consistently have a rhythm of praising God, I want to pose a question for us today. Why should we praise the Lord? It's really a question that every single one of us who says, I follow Jesus, should be able to answer. And yet... Most of the time, our answer for that is rooted far more in our own circumstances today than it is rooted in who God has always been. And so once again, we have to stop and answer the question, not just in a personal sense, but in a familial sense, being the church as a whole. Why should we praise the Lord? Now, in Psalm 146, the first two verses make these praise statements that echo and resound and their repeated phrases emphasize that the psalmist wants to praise the Lord. They start, praise the Lord. And again, praise the Lord, O my soul. 
I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Really specifically, uh, as long as I have breath in my lungs, the psalmist is saying, I will praise the Lord. Now, there's something really interesting about this in the simple fact that the psalmist's statements here are not circumstantial. It's a personal choice. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, whether you and I praise the Lord in any given season is our own choice. It follows right behind the not surprising reality that your attitude is your choice. It is no one else's choice. It's really easy. It's really easy to have that, that kind of conversation with kids. But then you kind of look at, if you turn the mirror on yourself, and generally the response is, I don't know what you're talking about. It's fine. It's all good. Well, it might not be, right? <laughs> and I need to be asking the question, if I'm going to answer the question, why should I praise the Lord? Then it really comes down to, why should I choose to praise the Lord? Why should I make the conscious decision and effort to go out of my way to praise the Lord? The psalmist here is writing this and saying, I will choose to do this. And the question is not, I will, it, it, it is not, I will praise the Lord as long as my life goes the way I want it to go. It is not, I will praise the Lord as long as my needs are supplied. It's not, I will praise the Lord <clears throat> as long as my friends don't leave me stranded. It is not, I will praise the Lord as long as my car keeps running. Right? You can fill in the blank with anything. But why? Why should I praise the Lord? Now, <clears throat> verses 3 and 4 Present a warning. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man. Everyone say man. In whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Now, naturally, you and I are inclined to follow a leader. There are a handful of you that are rebels. And what I mean by that is growing up as kids, if you played the game, who, how many of you played the game Follow the Leader? And how many of you were that kid who was like, I'm going to do what I want? Some of you are lying. <laughs> Maybe not, but I, I, was, I, I was not that kid. I was deathly afraid of breaking the rules. And am super paranoid anytime there's a chance of that. But in the midst of this, you and I, naturally speaking, look to follow a leader. And that's been instilled in you and I since creation. The, the reality being, man did not rise from the dust of the earth and start making decisions for himself. He was given responsibility. 
he was given instruction to say, don't do this. Easily bringing us to the point of saying, mankind was created to follow someone. Ultimately, we can go back and say, you and I were created to follow the lead of our creator. To look to him for guidance and instruction and all these things. Because God, Psalm 139, if you remember, forms us. God is the one responsible for creating every little detail about who you are, your personality, the uniqueness about everything. Therefore, he alone has the authority to not only value us, but to purpose our lives in a direction to glorify himself. Now, over and over again, mankind has been prone to put their trust in earthly people. And one of the most glaringly evident times this happened is in 1 Samuel chapter 8, as the nation of Israel looks at the nations around them, and they come back and they say, we want a king. We want someone to rule and reign over us like all these other nations. We don't, we don't have that. And in the midst, what did they forget? That God himself was their king. And so instead, the Lord gives them what they asked for. After a warning of what would happen. And the warning, in summary, was he's going to oppress you. He's going to take your money. He's going to take your stuff. Like, this isn't going to be good. And the people went, we don't care. We want a king. While scripture makes it clear, this is an important distinction. It makes it clear that we are to submit to ruling authorities within biblical reason. God has never intended that we put our trust in them. For that which only God can accomplish. There is a difference between submitting to authority and trusting and hoping in said authority. As the church, as followers of Christ, there is one place that we should place our hope and our trust. And in the end, God's authority supersedes any earthly authority that happens. So if we ever wonder, at what point do we not submit to the earthly governing authorities, as Romans 13 would say, the line is anywhere that God says do this and the earthly person says, don't do that. In that time, we follow the Lord. Putting our primary trust in people goes beyond ruling or governing authorities, though. And it's not hard to look at our everyday lives and identify the areas where we elevate a particular individual and their insight over God himself. So I'm going to give a couple examples. In church, right now is a perfect example. One of my greatest fears and praying points, family, is that you would not replace the authority and influence of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, in your life with myself or any other shepherd, elder in our church. There is no point in your spiritual life where you should look to me more than you look to God. May it remain so. 
And it's a really subtle way that that tends to happen where, well, you know, if I have really hard questions and challenges, I'm going to just go see if I could get the answer from Pastor Matt before I actually spend any time in Scripture. And if you have come and done that with me, you will know that one of the first things that I often say is, well, what does the Bible say about this? It drives some people nuts because they just want me to give them the answer. I, I had one person once who said, I just want to call you up and you be like Jesus Google for me. And I said, no. <clears throat> but I pray, I pray you can trust us as leaders to seek the Lord. But not to put your trust in us for the things that God alone can do. May your trust for us never, never, everyone say never. May it never exceed your trust for God. Another area in our marriages or significant relationships, it doesn't have to be marriages, it can be friendships, it can be close acquaintances. Most of us will intentionally seek out those we trust in an earthly sense before we ever go to the Lord. Now, I am in no way saying you should not seek godly counsel because that's biblical. But what I am saying is, when should you seek godly counsel? After you've prayed. Not before. So in the midst of this, to stop and go, where do I turn to first? Where, that's probably where you trust. Another area where it's easy to follow another authority figure or to not trust the Lord would be in our work, our jobs, our careers. And what this looks like is that we're easily drawn to trust our employer to provide for our needs over the eternal provider. There's a difference. Now, once again, this is not saying that somehow it looks like in the follower of Jesus life that you should just quit your job and say, Lord, provide for me. Okay, because scripture makes it clear that we, we should participate in that. But ultimately, it's easy for us to see that. We can trust the job more than we trust the Lord. These are just a few examples of this. So why should we be cautious about our trust priorities? Look again at the reason the psalmist gives for why you shouldn't put your trust in princes. That would be rulers in son of man, a human person. And he gives three specific reasons. One That person cannot save you eternally. There is no human person that can bring you to the point of salvation. Secondly, they're going to die. You put your trust in an earthly person, they are going to die. They're not going to exist at some point. What happens if I put my trust in something that dies? My trust dies with it. And thirdly, their plans are not eternal. When you and I go to set out to make plans, they're not eternal plans. Everything that God has purposed to do is in the scope of eternity. Not just a moment in time. And when you, if you really want to feel small, stop and think about the sovereignty of God in the sense that every moment of time 
is working to accomplish eternal purposes in some way or another. Every single moment. Psalm 118 verses 8 and 9 echoes this same two verses where it says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Now, if you're tracking, you can probably predict pretty easily where this message now turns as we consider the contrast to putting your trust in people. But look at verse 5. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. Blessed is he. We should ask the question, what does blessed really look like? Especially in a culture today where everyone is blessed. Even people who don't know Jesus, you can ask them, oh, I'm, I'm so blessed. I don't think you know what that means. So what, is it, what does it really mean? Oh, biblically, the, the term blessed here means deeply joyful. Or on the, on the surface, it might use the word happy. But I always hesitate to use that because even our definition of happy is really not what the Bible would describe as what true happiness is. <clears throat> and that's why I love the phrase deeply joyful because uh, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. That's a statement that that's a type of blessing that surpasses any uh, circumstance that my, I may encounter. And so while I may not feel emotionally happy, I can say in confidence that if my help is the God of Jacob is my, and my hope is in the Lord his God, that even in the midst of the hardest season, I can say I am deeply joyful. I'll be the first to confess that it is so much easier to count the earthly tangible blessings that we have and find our happiness or joyfulness in those things. When I ask people how they are doing, most of the time, the responses fit around two categories, busy and blessed. Two most common responses I hear from people. But how do we measure blessing and how does that impact our faith? In Matthew 6, Jesus reminds his disciples that where their treasure is, there their heart will be also. At the end of the day, I will put my trust in that which I consider to be the root of my blessings and happiness. I want you to hear that again. Okay, At the end of the day, I naturally will put my trust in that which I see is the root of my blessings slash happiness. That is the easiest thing to put your trust in. There is a big difference between seeing my blessing... As what I have been given, rather than the one who gives it. Now, one of the things I love about this psalm is that it doesn't just say, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob and whose hope is in the Lord his God. He gives reasons. He gives reasons, all the reasons why the, uh, why you, one whose trust and hope are in God. Can be can say I, I am deeply joyful I'm blessed. No matter what the circumstances. Now originally, 
I was just going to throw this all up on slides, but this morning I went, this is something I feel like I need just in my Bible or in my car. <clears throat> that when I'm prone to forget why I should trust the Lord or why I should praise Him, something I can look at and be reminded of. And so I hope when you came in you got one of these extra little handouts that goes through this. Because this is just, uh, all this is was my notes to go through with you this morning. And I, here, it's, it's right here. That breaks down the reasons to trust the Lord according to Psalm 146. Recognizing that this is where lasting blessing comes from. And this also answers the question as to why we should praise the Lord. And it starts in verse 6. Whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And is reminded of Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim his handiwork. God is the creator. It goes on. Who keeps faith forever. This statement simply means that God remains faithful through every timeline. Through every generation. Over and over and over again. God's faithfulness to his people is not partial to generations. He always has been and always will be faithful. Everyone say he is faithful. Verse 7. Who executes justice for the oppressed and who gives food to the hungry. Verse 9 echoes the same the same truth when it says the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. God is just. He's perfectly just. It means that no matter what wrongs have been committed, whether by you or to you, God will bring them into account. But he will do so in his time, not yours. And that's exactly why he says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. He's just. Verse 7 continues. Who gives food to the hungry? God is the provider. (laughs) Psalm 65, 9. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain. For so you have prepared it. He provides for our needs. Jesus echoed this same thing in Matthew 6. When he says, why do you worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear? Look at the birds of the air. They don't store away in barns or storehouses, and yet your Father in heaven feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? He says, look at the flowers of the field. They're clothed in more splendor than Solomon in all of his glory was. Are you not of more value than they? Therefore, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. And it goes one step further, right? It says... Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Why shouldn't I worry? Because God is creator, faithful, just. He's the provider. I I, I have no need to worry. And as I say those words, I'm saying it right back to myself, family. I'm going, Matt, you have no reason to worry about all these things that so often plague my mind and get me distracted from, once again, who God is and hinder me from praising the Lord. He's the liberator 
The Lord sets the prisoners free. This might be one of my favorite pieces of this. That God is a God of freedom. Everyone say freedom. In John 8, so if the Son sets you free, if you are set free in Jesus, you will be free indeed. And we sing that sometimes. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Well, there's only one way to become a child of God. Uh, not everyone is a child of God. Everyone's a creation of God. Not everyone's a child of God. Because in John 1, it says that... For all who believe in him, who trust him and believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's a privilege given to us through Christ. He's the liberator. He frees us from bondage. Most specifically, the bondage of our own sinfulness and counts us as righteous through Jesus. He's the healer. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Do we do we believe that? You know, most of the time, I, I, I and it is it is really easy to put a hundred percent of our faith in medicine. And I'm not saying I I appreciate and am so thankful for the Lord's gift of doctors and medicine. I'm so grateful for that. The people who take the time to study that. To where we, we have we have so much better access to that than countries all over the world. I'm so thankful for that. And yet, I still believe that we have a call to trust the Lord more. <clears throat> it doesn't mean we stay away from that. It means that when we go into that, we ultimately recognize that God is the one who heals. And He is sovereign in that. And whether he chooses to heal us in an earthly sense or an eternal sense, he is the healer. Praise the Lord. He's the sustainer. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. He upholds, this is in verse 9, he upholds the widow and the fatherless. The picture there is a God who recognizes when we can't even stand on our own two feet. And he sustains. In verse 10, the Lord is eternal. And this is in direct contrast to all those leaders. <clears throat> all those leaders that are earthly. And in simple Term says the Lord will reign forever. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from this land. That's Psalm chapter 10, verse 16. So once again, family, I come to this place of saying, why praise the Lord? And it's because of everything that he is. Everything that he's already done, everything that he's purposed to do. It's, it's the reality that God's the same. Uh, the God that you felt closest to in your greatest season of spiritual growth and maturity is the same God in the midst of your hardest, darkest season that you're facing right now. He hasn't changed. He's not stressed out. He's not anxious. He's not wondering what's going to happen next. He knows. He's in control. But even beyond that, he has offered us salvation in Christ. 
He has offered us the ability to be present with him for eternity. And when we stop and we consider that, we should be deeply humbled. When we look at our own lives, we should go, uh, I don't deserve anything. And yet he has given me the only thing that lasts. And it's available to anyone. Do you choose to follow Jesus? And if so, if you've made the decision to follow Christ, then every day, family, we have the greatest reason to praise the Lord. We have the greatest reason to root into that which is joyful. Even in the midst of the chaos. To go, my world is falling apart, but my God never will. But trust is hard. There's one final illustration that I want to share with you. There's this old story about a man who fell off a cliff. And he was going to die, but he throws out a hand and miraculously he catches a branch. So he's hanging on for dear life. And he says, is anyone up there? And there's a response. Yes. Who are you? I am God. And I'm going to save you. Wonderful. What should I do? Let go of the branch. There's a pause. Is anybody else up there? (laughs) Trusting the Lord often looks like letting go of the thing that I'm trusting right now. And we have to ask the question, am I going to cling to the branch that I'm holding on to for dear life or am I going to trust the Lord? The branch is only going to hold up for so long, family. (laughs) It's only going to stick there for so long until it won't. Where is your trust? At the end of this exhortation, there's this exclamation again. Praise the Lord. Why praise the Lord, family? Because he has been and will always be our unfailing hope for eternity may we cling to that together and remind one another of that every day with every opportunity we have father as we consider these truths may we be a people who are able to say our trust our hope our joy is in you alone lord this is not easy and It is so much easier to talk about than it is to do. It is so much easier to hear and to affirm than it is to live. So, Lord, use this to remind us of the great hope we've been given in Christ. And may it instill in us a heart and an attitude of praise, regardless of the season. In Jesus' name, amen.